Hi folks, just a quick note before this week's episode. There are some minor sound issues, which we hope to resolve by next week. In the meantime, thank you for your patience and we hope you enjoy. And welcome to the Conspiracy Theory Quest. Hey! My name is Karen, and that there is Ivan. Welcome to our second episode. Welcome, you're very welcome. We're very excited. I'm very excited because this kind of moves us now that we're over the hump of the first one. We're slowly moving out of the realm of trying the thing and into the realm of just doing the thing. Yeah, we're just doing it now. This is just it. It's happening. No going back. No going back. No return. No surrender. <laughs> I thought, Karen, that we'd start with a little PSA today, a public service announcement. Yes, because although Avan and I are huge conspiracy theorists and fans, we in no way would ever condone a conspiracy theory that is bad for your health or public's health in general. Uh, and we in no way support or believe some of the more wacky theorists who are leaning super far on the far right just in case you were wondering yeah we're here for a good time not a medically unethical time absolutely um and yeah everything we're doing is just in a bit of fun and a bit of jest and it is just to get a conversation going and to hear other people's opinions and and theories and facts so um you know we would like you to to get in touch when possible and, and let us know but as i said we are not cuckoo bananas about denying people facts about health ever (laughs) yeah we're gonna stick very much in the realm of like fun stuff aliens secret societies i apparently will just continue returning to the cia even though i've no major beef with them oh is yours is yours this week cia related because mine dips into the cia also oh amazing there's so much to them it's i'm starting to feel like it sounds like i'm a, a vendetta against them but it just reappeared even though i wasn't necessarily going that way yeah and i mean as i was researching this yesterday i was like man the fbi agent who looks after me is absolutely going to come knocking on my door when she sees <laughs> what i've been googling lately <laughs> imagine we decide after all this current madness is done to go on a lovely little trip to new york and suddenly we're reefed out of the security line and just played back all of our podcasts in a little room but come here if we're going to get the traffic i don't care where it comes from <laughs> yeah exactly like ah security man i see you're a fan great do you need an autograph oh no my thumbprint fine <laughs> brilliant yeah. Karen, as well, I inadvertently have to say that I tasked you last week with the absolute monstrous challenge of um, doing our first ever conspiracy. So well done on that. That was intimidating. Thank you very much. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I really did enjoy it. So it didn't feel too mammoth, and I, I just hope I did it justice, really. <laughs> yeah, you've got high standards now to live up to. Oh, for um, sure. I hope I can deliver. Uh, So I'm going to kick us off this week to give you a little bit of a break, if that suits you. That's perfect. Yeah, go for it. Unless you want anything else before we go on, any other housekeeping? 
no that's all 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 the housekeeping for me so far and anything that pops up i will dip in and mention but i'm pretty i'm pretty good for now Oh, good. I'll add actually just a little bit and I'll mention it at the end just in case you don't get us now. We are easier to contact than ever. We are now on all the social midges. We are on Twitter. Our handle is at Conspiracy Test and our Instagram handle is Conspiracy Theory Test. Or you can channel your late 90s pen pal and send us an email at theconspiracytheorytest at gmail.com. And they're going to be really handy for things like last week's, uh, um, oh, the word's gone out of my head, not vocal, the thing you do with your eyes, visual, from last week's episode from Avril. Oh, good old Avril, that'll be up there too. I think you mean Melissa. I think you mean Melissa. (laughs) I thought we'd agree that last week. I'm trying to give poor Melissa respect, I'm playing along. Sorry, fair, fair. (laughs) So what I'm going with this week is called... Bath salt zombies. Okay. <laughs> Bath salt zombies. Amazing. That's not ringing a bell at all. Not at all. Oh, brilliant. I like the bit of intrigue. So, my tagline for this one is Bath salt zombies, cannibalism inducing drug, or brutal anti drug publicity stunt. Ooh. Um, <laughs> intriguing. Very. So you could say I'm a bit high, get us, of, <laughs> of the roaring success of our first episode, because today's episode I've gone full rogue and lost the run of myself completely, and I've got my own homegrown, homemade hot take. I thought you were going to say homegrown, homemade bath salts. <laughs> I thought gonna... this episode was about to get real weird real quick. <laughs> anything anything for the listeners for sure but so last week's one to give you a bit of context i think was i'm gonna call it historically informative if a little bit dry so i've gone 180 this week and i'm bringing you drugs and i'm bringing you gore nice so we'll kick off with the event that kicks all of this off on may 26 2012 I'm not going to dwell too long on the utter violence here, but if you're in any way squeamish, you might want to step, skip on 30 seconds max, I would say. So on May 26, 2012, Florida man, of course, who else? Course. Rudy Eugene beat and killed a homeless man, Ronald Popo, in an 18-minute brutal attack, which culminated in him eating 75% of Popo's face. Oh. Does that have this ring a bell with you? Everyone talks about how mad 2020 has been so far, but there was a summer in 2012. Well, there was only one summer in 2012, mm-hmm. but where people just got really high and ate each other's faces off. I have heard something about this, but I'm like, obviously, don't know a lot of the details. So I'm, I'm you've, you've hooked me now. I'm in it. <laughs> Perfect. It was it was utter madness. Like I would say, as far as summer crazes go, give me Pokemon Go any day. For so sure. at the time, police speculated, and most newspapers reported that Eugene was high on the synthetic drug bath salts, which gave him the quote taken from news sources as cannibalistic urges and superhuman strength to carry out the attack. But 
my hypothesis is that Eugene was programmed by our well-known by now pals, the CIA, to carry out the attack as part of an anti-drug campaign. So, oh my God. yeah, it seems like a far reach, but I'm confident I'll bring you around by the end. Okay. But to get there, we need to go all the way back and see what was going on around drug policy in the country. So we're going back to the very start of the famous war on drugs, which starts in the 1960s, but it really comes to a head in June 18th, 1971, when President Nixon announced that drug abuse was public enemy number one. So this cemented the war on drugs as the US's number one campaign and stance on drugs with okay. a prohibition of drug abuse. Now, this campaign lasts right up until very recently, <clears throat> and that's seen mainly because it treated drug abuse as a criminal issue, whereas it seems to be mainly a human rights and a health issue, like Dr. Gabor Mate, who is quite a renowned um, <clears throat> doctor in Canada, has described it as Drugs are not public enemy number one. Drugs are not the issue. Trauma and marginalization are the issue. And drugs are actually a very rational um, choice in the minds of trauma victims. So we just within the 80s, incarceration because of minor drug offenses rises by well over 100%. Then we see... Go on, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, it's that that incarceration, like many people are probably still incarcerated for the minor offences, which is just so beyond messed up. And on the one hand, it's a very sad uh, human rights issue. And on the other hand, it's also a very expensive policy for the US, something that's not been very effective. We see then there's slowly a move towards medicinal marijuana and later on recreational marijuana. This is quite a begrudging move by some states. We see the real downfall, though, of the war on drugs starts in 2009 when the Obama administration declared that they want to move away from the phrase war on drugs, but not to alter the drug policy. So I think this gives us a real picture of what's going on in American drug policy at this time. There's not a want to move away from um, incarceration and not to make any big changes, but there is an acknowledgement that this is seen as a failure. So, so we see that now and then 2011, the Global Commission on Drug Policy openly calls the war on drugs a failure, mm. which is criticized by anti-legislation organizations in America. Here we've got a real picture of what's happened here. It's been a complete fail. I don't think it's a big radical stance to say that it's just been failure after failure. Source estimated that because of incarceration and extra drug forces within the police, it's cost the US about 51 billion a year. And when Ooh. you think it was going on from 1971 at the latest, that yeah. is a that's an expensive failure. Yeah, to keep going with. That's like, try, try again. Isn't that the definition of insanity? Like, that's it, yeah. 
Absolutely, and expecting, trying something over and over again and expecting a different result every single time. So that's your little history lesson and the reasons that it's failed is, as I mentioned, that it's viewed drugs as a criminal issue instead of a health or a human rights issue, that it pushed it into the black market where it was harder to legislate on. And this is where it comes, ties back into what we're talking about today, is that legislators often just cannot keep up with new technologies. This is something we see today now when it comes to social media and online bullying. By the time legislators have kind of gotten their head around Snapchat, kids have moved on to TikTok and are doing it there. So this is no different for drugs. This is where we see bath salts and other designer drugs come into line. Now, I must admit my naivety here because designer drugs are not, as I originally thought, just very fancy drugs. Okay. <laughs> I just thought they were taken by models and stuff, and that's why they were called designer drugs. Yeah, just by Jean-Paul Gaultier. Yeah. Le cannabis par Jean-Paul Gaultier. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, they're actually drugs that have been synthetically designed and have used... Uh, chemicals that haven't been legislated against by drug task forces so okay yeah 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 and that's where they get their name that's why they're called bath salts because they're often marketed as bath salts or sometimes plant feeder and sometimes Ooh. dishwasher cleaner Ooh. yeah i'm not gonna harsh anyone's balls i don't no judgment in this podcast for what you do recreationally but i think it's a pretty safe bet that if something is marketed as washing up liquids and you hoof it into you you're not gonna have a good time yeah that would just common sense i think would dictate that for me exactly so these come around in the late 2000s and the early 2010s which coincides with what we saw earlier the real downfall of the war on drugs this happens with the rise of headshots so Around this time, there's a lot of hysteria around bath salts and a lot of misinformation as well, mainly due to the fact that, as I said, legislators can't keep up. So first of all, there's no definitive guide of what bath salts actually are. Some sites I looked at claimed that it was, I'm going to butcher the name of this now, the calf leaf, K-A-P-H, that it was that kind of but others said it was just a hodgepodge of whatever chemicals that these headshots kind of had lying around. So secondly, there's lots of hysterical language around the effect of bath salts in news feeds at this time. Like police after the attack, which we will get back to after this decades-long backstory, okay, used yeah. the phrase superhuman strength. And one news source said it was 10 times stronger than crack cocaine. Like, whether that's true or not, that is very hysterical language. For sure. It totally is. So we know now what bath salts are and how the Americans felt about drugs at the time. Also, the US Senate in 2011 moved to legislate against these. So that's when we see people really taking a stance against us. So this brings us right up to our attack from good old Eugene. Oh, Not too much. Poor old Eugene. Poor old Popo. By so, the sounds of it, yeah. He's 
<laughs> he really came off the short end of the stick there. Mm-hmm. But after, so after a decade-long and multi-billion-dollar campaign was seen as a failure, the government needed to construct a fear-mongering attack to prove the lethalness of drugs, particularly the hard to legislate designer drugs. Now, what I'm going to say here is the how. How they did it was to program a person, in our case, Rudy Eugene, to respond to a trigger which would enact months of training to carry out an attack. Is that a far reach? It's probably going to sound like a far reach for the moment. I'm, I'm in. I'm in it. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick up what you're putting down here. Thank you. Yeah. Don't worry. There's more proof. So in this, I'm harking back to the Operation MK Ultra, which yeah. started in the air old thing. Yeah, I was only looking at this for this one, and I fell down another rabbit hole. So that's going to, again, I know that I said this last week, but it's going to warrant its own episode completely. For sure. So that, for anyone who doesn't know, is the famous operation by the CIA to use LSD on unwitting participants to see the effects and could they be militarized. But one speculation, it's very covert, one Mm. speculation is that how it was being used was that people were getting months of training, then having their memories wiped, possibly by LSD, and then this training would be enacted by a trigger. So it could be something completely inane. It could be that you have no idea what's happened for these months. They're gone out of your brain. You walk down the road, you see a red punto pull out of a driveway, and that's your trigger to go back into full-on military mode and attack or kill the nearest person. And this is what I believe happens to Rudy Eugene. Wow, okay. So that's the how and that's the why. So here is my backup proof. So first of all, superhuman strength. This is the word that is used constantly throughout this story. But I would argue that there's no proof that any drug, and certainly not bath salts, can actually enact superhuman strength in a person. It can release certain chemicals, particularly adrenaline, which may allow you to build on strength that you previously had, but it's not going to bulk you up within two seconds flat. You come up and suddenly you're twice the strength you had before. I would say it's far more likely that he tapped into previous training, possibly months of training, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part. (laughs) The second part is the timing for this. This one for me is the big one. So if we look at the timeline, War on Drugs is particularly criticised and begrudgingly moved away from in 2011. The House moves to legislate against bath salts at the end of 2011. And the attack happens in May of 2012. So there's so many things coordinating against this seemingly unstoppable distribution of drugs that there needs to be some campaign. My third fact is poor victim Ronald Papa. He was a homeless man. There is no statement that I can find about his actual 
personal life or circumstances apart from being homeless there's no even statements from any family members so isn't it really sad like and as we know obviously homeless people are unfortunately much more vulnerable to attack yeah but also would he have been an easy target there seems to be no family stepping forwards there's no real outrage about his death there's just mass hysteria about the possibility of such an attack but nothing Mm. around that person in for to look into or inquire and i mean it would make sense that they would pick someone like that who has maybe no background no family so that means then the focus is taken off the person that died and just the act of violence and what caused it which is the drugs which would make sense absolutely this is why this is why i think that he was just an easy target rather than a yeah. randomized fact. The final fact, and this might be the seller, this was certainly the seller for me, is that, so I haven't mentioned yet that the attack was so brutal that in the end, Rudy Eugene was shot by police. But there was an autopsy afterwards, which showed no signs of bath salts in his system what that was the huge one for me so yes news sources get it wrong but every news source at the time that i can find now state that it was probably bad salts and the police sergeant in charge of the investigation at the time speculated that these are the characteristics of someone high on bad salts now i know News sources can get it wrong. Some are less reputable than others. But why the huge frenzy up to almost uh, reporting this as fact and a police statement without an autopsy? Bizarre. That is bizarre. Like. I think that goes even further in that perhaps he was meant to be arrested, believed that he was under the influence of bath salts, but not be shot so as there not to be an autopsy um so maybe the autopsy you got or the public got was not the actual autopsy either that's another possibility yeah and as well another interesting thing is that there was cannabis found in his system which i have little knowledge of the subject but it does not seem to be the sort of drug that causes bloodlust or any sort of great motivation at all no like cannibalism from that even if like like i can't imagine that it would be even like mixed or with anything else that would induce such a reaction like exactly exactly and if you look at this time at this point in america in many states can uh not cannibalism cannabis has been legalized medicinally so it doesn't fit the narrative anyway yeah to have a big anti-cannabis campaign but it does for bath salts wow okay so that is my theory and i'm sticking to it as you say karen it's a far stretch and it's my first original theory what do you think i think you might be onto something for sure, I think you might be onto something. For like, because just as you say, when you lay it out with the, with the timing of it and the fact, just like that, that last bit there, the fact that there was no bath salts found in the dude's system, 
then like what the hell you know that was the original kicker for me was this complete misinformation and the fact that the bath salts were brought up out of nowhere but then when i looked back on it the timeline was what really struck me this move away from the war on drugs the lack of want from the u.s government to move away from the war on drugs and how it's just getting harder and harder to legislate against and then only five months after the house moves to legislate against them there's a huge notorious attack that sheds a bad light on us that in the end turns out doesn't even shed a bad light on us it casts a shadow but it doesn't shed any light for sure oh that's a good one yeah so believe don't believe i fully believe yeah yeah i fully believe you fantastic oh great that's two two out of two two out of two you're on to a winner it's just and also i suppose historically i think we do know that uh the the governments in america have a bit of a history of bending the rules to suit their own needs at any particular time so you know it does make sense that 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 could be a possibility exactly exactly Oh, I'm so glad that you agree with me this week, Karen. It was a far stretch. That was good, though. That was super well presented. I liked it. Thank you. What do you have for me this week, Karen? Okay, so this week I actually have another classique kind of one. Fantastic. I'm excited. That a lot of people would be familiar with, I feel. Um, And there's actually, when I looked into it, there is four main theories, conspiracy-wise, around this. So this week I'm covering the death of marilyn monroe oh i'm excited yeah okay so got some information from history.com from filmdaily.co i got some info from sbs.com about some main conspiracy theories and i did a little bit of research via wikipedia so for those of you that don't know marilyn monroe died in 1962 and at the time it was alleged that she died by suicide my theory is that she was actually murdered um, and my belief for the long my long-standing belief about this conspiracy theory was actually that once again the u.s government or government officials were in on the act so i'm going to give you a little bit of information about how we got to this point in in the death of marilyn monroe so she was born norma dream mortensen in los angeles in on june 1st in 1926 she had a bit of an up, uh, unstable upbringing. Uh, her mother spent an awful lot of time uh, in psychiatric care while she was growing up. So Norma Jean would have went from foster home to foster home and stuff like that. She was married at 16. Wow, young. Which is very, very young. And uh, They divorced uh, a few years later. And then around 1944, I think, she signs with an agency and she does a little bit of modeling and stuff like that so obviously she hits it big in the 50s and 60s so she gained all of her or the majority of her notoriety in the 50s and 60s and she had breakout roles in gentlemen prefer blondes and the seven year itch and the seven year itch is the movie that gave us that uh, iconic image of her over the fire grace so that's from that movie um, and that kind of, because as well in the 50s and 60s, attitudes towards, you know, sex and sexuality and, and being comfortable with how sex you are was coming coming around or, you know, becoming popular. So realistically, like her career was taken off right at the, the right time, almost, you could say. 
Like she's kind of a pioneer for this new movement of liberation, is she? Yeah, kind of, yeah. And she was quite kind of like voluptuous and things like that as well. Um, so she was, yeah, you know, she just looked different, that white blonde hair. And she was, you know, I think came across quite flirtatious. But she did have some like legit acting chops as well, you know. Um, and that was coming across. So she kind of has had everything that you needed to be a, a Hollywood starlet uh, at the time. Uh, she was no stranger to the celebrity scene, obviously. She actually married baseball player Joe DiMaggio in 1954 but they were divorced eight months later and in 1956 she married playwright Arthur Arthur Miller and uh, Miller actually wrote the last film that she would star in called The Misfits in 1961 and she filed from divorce for divorce for um, Arthur a week before that film's opening so like that she's had a bit of a tumultuous time relationship wise um Unfortunately, in 1961, this is where the spiraling of her life kind of starts. Uh, throughout her life, she'd battled depression uh, throughout her career. And she did see a psychiatrist regularly. And she was prescribed multiple drugs for her depression by her psychiatrist. She had become more erratic in her behavior. She had shut herself off from the outside world an awful lot. And she kind of almost became a bit of a recluse. I think she lived in Brentwood in California at the time. And then on August 5th, 1962, Marlon's maid, Eunice Murray, noticed that Marlon's bedroom light was on. But she couldn't hear a response when she knocked. Eunice then, having not gotten a response and unable to open the door, actually called Marlon's psychiatrist. When he arrived, he broke a window to gain entry into her room. And it was her psychiatrist who actually found Marilyn lying naked, face down on her bed, holding a phone. And there was pill bottles all over the room. Okay, so obviously the police are called, an investigation starts, and there was an autopsy. And it does reveal, kind of unsurprisingly, that there were a large number of sedatives in her system. And then the death was ruled a probable suicide. Okay, so that was the that was the background information so here's where we get into the conspiracy theory okay and the main theory is this the main theory is that john f kennedy and or bobby kennedy his brother killed her or had her killed because she was sleeping with both of them right. so that, yeah 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 so i didn't realize that both of them i knew all about jfk but the bobby kennedy one uh, kind of blew my mind a little bit. I also have wrote down that she was sleeping with bro both of them in parentheses. Get it, girl. Uh, <laughs> what a woman! Like you do, you babe. Whatever. So exactly. So the reason what I started to buy into this as I was researching it was her death came two and a half months after her famous sultry performance of Happy Birthday at John F. Kennedy's 45th birthday party on the 19th of May. Right. Yeah, okay. And that's what I'm saying. So one of the quotes I got was, just two and a half months after her famously sultry performance of Happy Birthday at President John F. Kennedy's 45th birthday party on 19th of May, 1962, at Madison Square Garden, Monroe, born Norma Jean Mortensen, would be dead. And was this okay? when... Because kind of all I know about Marilyn Monroe is the famous ha happy birthday. And is that when it kind of came to light that they were having an affair? 
I don't, I'm not, I need to like look up exactly when, but I think a lot of people were like, you know, they kind of were putting two, two, two and two together. I think JFK was known as a, a philanderer and, you know, one with the ladies despite being married. So I think when people saw that, there was a little bit of a, you know, well, hang on, there's, there's obviously something going on here between the two of them. Right, right. Yeah. Now, as I said, it is alleged also that her and JFK might not have had a long affair as such, but apparently it is alleged that they met on four separate occasions and they did sleep together once. But really, the big affair or the more romantic affair took place with Bobby Kennedy, who at the time was district attorney or attorney general. And that's kind of mad because I would associate her more with the famous JFK affair. Right, exactly. I think a lot of people would, definitely. But apparently not. Apparently it was it was Bobby. And it's alleged then that Bobby had, had her bumped off because, or maybe both of them together did, because they were afraid that she would reveal important government secrets. Makes sense. Right, yeah. And also... As well, and I think it was in 2017, didn't like Trump release the, like the Kennedy papers? Oh, yes, yes. But 300 of the, or 300 pages of those papers were redacted uh, out of the interest of national security. Okay, so if she was privy to information, it was some very sensitive information. Like the most super duper sensitive information. Okay. Then in 2007, there's an Australian filmmaker by the name of Philippe Mora, and he discovered a partially redacted FBI document that suggests Robert Kennedy may have been complicit in a plot to induce her suicide. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So like you were saying, kind of similar to your theory in that uh, the government needed an excuse to ban bath salts it looks like they they needed an excuse for for marilyn to go by so essentially that did from that fbi document it was alleged that she was essentially given the drugs and then left to die herself because she had previously staged suicide attempts herself in the past as we said she was alone so again it kind of fits that like they were like you know Oh, well, she was, she was depressed. She tried to kill herself before. She wasn't happy, divorced again, all that kind of stuff. So it does fit in to that narrative of like, well, she was so unhappy. Of course, it was eventually going to go that way, you know? A little bit too neat, isn't it? Uh, a little bit too neat because apparently Monroe was also thought to be a liability because she kept records of conversations with like detailing highly confidential government information in a little red book. So she had this like little red notebook, yeah, 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 that she wrote everything down in. Good woman, Marilyn. Good old Marilyn. Now, where is the red book? What happened to it? Who knows? Oh, it's gone, is it? It's never been found? I'm not sure. I'll talk to you a little bit about that in a second because there is, you know, again, information around that. Another main theory then is maybe it wasn't actually the Kennedys that did it, but in fact, the Mafia that hired the hit on her well, it's like last week so, it's, the mafia again. <laughs> it's always those mafia boys man let me tell you the they have fingers in many pies <laughs> yeah 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 so again bernard spindle was a famous wiretapper 
uh, for the mafia. And he had actually bugged Monroe's phone lines. And again, he allegedly did this under the orders of Jimmy Hoffa, who was uh, the union boss, uh, but he was also crooked and he was in cahoots with the, uh, the mafia the whole time. Or it could have been Chicago mob boss Sam Giancana. Giancana. Apologies for the uh, botched pronunciation there. So allegedly then what uh, Bernard Spindle claims is that Robert Kennedy visited Monroe the night she died. So he was allegedly spotted entering her home on the night of her death, even though he claims he was in San Francisco. Spindle says that he had actually, via the wiretap, heard them argue. And then on that wiretap, he hears them arguing and then he hears a really loud bang. And that's meant to signal her death. By shots, perhaps? But perhaps. Now, maybe Kennedy wasn't there at all. But again, the other thing is, because Kennedy, Robbie Kennedy at the time, as I said, was Attorney General, while he he was actually I think starting to or really wanted to crack down on Hoffa and all the lads and all the mafia guys and obviously they didn't want to do that so some people maintain that Jimmy Hoffa had organized to get her killed because to get back at Bobby out of pure jealousy so Bobby would back off trying to get at them do you know what I mean okay that's a twist isn't it and then, so apparently these recordings exist, but they were seized and destroyed in 1966. Oh, that would have been... You know? Well, morbidly listening. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Then one of her, one of her, Darwin Porter is her biographer, and I just have a quote here from him, and it says, a lot of people had a lot to lose if Marilyn spoke out. She was making a lot of dangerous statements and didn't realise she was playing with the big boys. I think Marilyn got in over her head. That sounds right when you look at all the big people who are at stake here. Yeah, right, 100%. So this next bit, if, again, if you're squeamish, like maybe skip past the next 30 seconds, but Porter believes that five mafia hitmen were responsible for her murder on the order of Gincana in Chicago. They He alleges that they used a wash, washcloth drenched in chloroform and then they stripped Monroe and they gave her a barbiturate enema. Oh, yeah. which is you know like an awful just just absolutely awful way to go Not a good time. so then absolutely yeah so then further evidence then is that i what i witnessed lionel grandison was a coroner who actually worked at the morgue where monroe's body was brought to and he actually claims to have seen the red diary he also then recalled that Monroe's body was covered in bruises and that fact was actually left out of the autopsy. Oh, that one's intriguing. However, he might not be the most reliable source because he was later fired from the coroner's office for stealing the bodies that he worked with. Oh God, why was he stealing them? I, I don't know. <laughs> Are we better off not knowing? I think so. I think Lionel, I like to think that Lionel just went off and had a nicely quiet life by himself. Yeah, weekend at Bernie's style with his millions of corpses. Just him and the guys kicking back, having some beers. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, but again, then another theory is that she was actually a communist sympathizer. Oh, I like and the li- and like that, then she was a communist sympathizer, and then her little red book 
contained all the sensitive CIA information. So she just it was just simply a case of her knowing too much. Right. So then I have a couple of little other wacky te- theories just before I wrap this up. She knew too much about UFOs. I love this one already. This one's great. Okay. So allegedly Kennedy's version of pillow talk was to spill the beans about the 1947 Roswell UFO crash. <laughs> like that would be a great date in fairness. Oh, because apparently he was like, yeah, man, I saw the wreckage. Like he alleged, you know, all this. So she knew about that and she was going to spill the beans. <laughs> what if, right, turned that around, mm-hmm. he was saying all that to impress her. And then it was like, oh, shit, I'm actually president. I could, this could all come out and it's been a load of crappy chat up lines this whole time. Better get rid of her. Oh, man, that could be it. That could well be it. And then the last thing is, She's not dead at all. These ones are always great. So is she with Avril? She no, I don't think no, I don't think she's herding goats in Guatemala. <laughs> so apparently, some allegedly somebody uh, wrote a book about how they picked up this random hitchhiker in 1984, who claimed that she was Marilyn Monroe, and she was able she was able to like recount, um, you know, all about her life in the movies and everything that she got up to back then. But um, then again, the woman was homeless and it seemed that she was kind of a paranoid schizophrenic. Uh, so, you know, maybe that one's a little bit of a, of a reach as well. But to me, it just, again, seems very convenient that uh, of how she died, you know. Um, and then this is obviously a couple of years before Kennedy's assassination as well. So... I think the timeline is important here. But the main one for me also, like, the main one for me is that she, I definitely think it was either the Kennedys had ordered it or the mafia did it to get back at the Kennedys. Because then, you know, the Kennedys got theirs pretty much in the 60s after that anyway, you know. And then also another one just about the inducing her suicide. A lot of people actually think that it was her housekeeper, Eunice, uh, and, and her psychiatrists that were like they were all in cahoots as well so they alleged that you know they knew about it gave her a load of drugs and then just left her there to die and who would they have been working for like one of the above potentially potentially the cia maybe potentially the mafia the mafia probably would have paid them more than the cia like yeah and it is a very like that would be a very easy one to construct by anything as big as either the cia or the mafia right exactly and apparently then as well actually Eunice Marie came out like 20 years after her death and was like oh I I definitely saw Robert Kennedy leave the apartment that night or leave the place that night but then a lot of people were kind of refuting her and were very skeptical then of like two decades later this statement that she just comes out with you know yeah but what's to gain by coming out with us now it does sound like a bit like this is it a deathbed Kind maybe like I don't know like it's just to me it's a bit like hmm maybe and you know it's just those Kennedy papers as well still being redacted or held back out of an interest of national security I'm like what's going on there so I put it to you Ivan what do we think do we think Marilyn Monroe took her own life or do we think life is taken from her it's interesting again that in these two ones that we've both come up with independently I think the most damning evidence is the timeline. So, again, right. 
I, I have to go with you. Like the timeline, it just seems irrefutable. I think it is one of the above, at least. Definitely. 100% believe you there, Karen. Yes. Two for two. Two all. Let's go. I'm thinking as well. So I'm with you that possibly the union boss mafioso. Hoffus, is that his name? Hoffa. H-O-F-F-A. Hoffa. I think it could. I'm thinking him. But I'm thinking... Mm. The communist informant one seems fairly like uh, viable as well. Yeah. I mean, there was so much hysteria at the time around communist informants that even if she had no intention of informing, I can see how that would have spiraled completely out of control into an And I'm not sure whether she's so much of as an informant or that just maybe she was, but she was definitely a communist or well, not definitely, but they alleged that she was a sympathizer. It seems likely. Those are the two out of the above. And then, of course, the UFO one. The UFO one I'm definitely here for. I knew I knew that would, would reel you in a little bit more. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oops, I, I've said too much. Yeah, that's the sweet spot, the conspiracy gold mine. Absolutely. But just the one thing, though, is that obviously Monroe remains kind of iconic, not because of her death, but because of her life and career, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is, it's nice that we focus on that because her, her death was obviously gruesome by all accounts, but that we just see her as a successful businesswoman and a talented actress, and that's how she's known now, rather than the tragedy that followed. Yeah, for sure. That was brilliant, Karen. Thank you very much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for listening. Thank you for, for agreeing with me yet again. Yes, again, I'm sure we'll butt heads at some point, but that's two very positive episodes. Very, very positive indeed. And thank you all for listening to both of us and enduring uh, longer episodes. They're getting meatier now. We're going deeper oh, yeah. in our lives. Once again, you can contact us. You can email us at theconspiracytheorytest at gmail.com. You can get us on Twitter at conspiracytest. And you can get us on Instagram at Conspiracy Theory Test. And hopefully we'll see you next week for more theories. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you have any suggestions on what we should be covering or anything that you want to talk to us about, get in touch via the, the mediums Van just said. And we look forward to, to hearing from everybody. Have a great Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye.